Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode. And uh, I'm joined by yet another new friend, Joe Dantone. Thank you so much, Joe, for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Hey, definitely. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Well, and, and I want to start off uh, in a little bit of an unusual way. Uh, I don't normally do this for our podcast episodes, but I was quite taken by a, a segment of text on the, the about section or what most photographers probably know is a, an about section on your website at Joe, J-O-E, Dantone, D-A-N-T-O-N-E dot com. Uh, you have a section called Who I Am. And yes. I have to read this to get us started because I was just, I was drawn in when I, when I read it. You said, after two years of dabbling in wedding photography while working full-time at BMW, I realized I needed a change in my life. I wanted to be happy. That meant doing photography full-time. I promised my wife that one day soon, I wanted to wake up with her and my newborn son on a Monday morning and be able to go and grab a cup of coffee and sit with my little family instead of going to work as a technician. The only way this would happen was if I made this change. Lucky for me, I have an incredible wife who supports everything and anything I do. I knew I could make this happen. My son was 60 days old the day I talked or I walked into my boss's office and quit my job. It was May 17th, a Friday. I had my first wedding as a full-time Philadelphia wedding photographer on that Saturday. Guess what I did on Monday? I woke up with my wife and son next to me, big smiles, and had that cup of coffee. I'm doing what I love. And that's capturing memories of my couples that will last a lifetime. Thank you for taking the time to read about my journey. I can't wait to document yours. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting emotional reading that because <laughs> what you described there, it just so encapsulates, uh, I mean, my goal for certainly my life and my family life, my life as a business owner, but ultimately what so much of Boca Podcast is about, which is that encourage photographers to create a little bit of space and time in their life for that moment that you just described and photographers edit for that matter. We give photographers time back in their lives by handling a time consuming thing like editing so that they can focus on those important relationships in their lives. And so I had to, I had to start by reading that it's extremely touching (laughs) and I, and I really appreciate you sharing that. What comes to mind as, as I'm reading that? It really gave me the chills because to be honest, you know, I, I, I used to read that a lot because it was just inspiring for me, mm. you know, to to understand why I got into this and, you know, the, the things that I love about it. But yeah, reading that every once in a while kind of like shifts me back to where I need to be, you know, now having two boys, free time and uh, being able to do those things is a little bit more difficult now, Yeah, you know, w- with schedules with me and the wife, you know, opposite schedules and, and trying to make it happen. But I do believe that you really need to put time away and just be able to enjoy those things. And, and yeah, I mean, I was always in creative industry one way or another. I did music all my life and, you know, I, I always kind of had a passion for cars, but I, I always look back at it now that I'm doing weddings full time and, and, you know, photography full time, I always look back and I'm like, I think working on cars and, and being in that industry was kind of like my placeholder until I found you know the mm. right spot that I wanted to be in. 
Well, I mean, this is a good segue, though, too, to my normal first question, which is, yeah. despite having two kids and, and a busy life, and, and your <laughs> wife, you said, kind of works an opposite schedule, how do you create that time, I mean, to, to chill out in bed, have some coffee and hang out with your family, or whatever it might be, how do you create that space for yourself, even if it's for a half hour or an hour here and there during your work week? So I guess uh, the time for myself has become extremely limited just because I'm, I'm like a workhorse. So any downtime that I have, I always, you know, if it's not with family, I'm, I'm trying to put it back into the business. Fair enough. So a big thing for me is, you know, there's, I have a couple of friends that are in the industry, not photographers, but DJs, things like that, um, that are really, they're like three, four miles from my house. I have a really close friend of mine. His name's Pat. And We'll meet up and grab a coffee first thing in the morning, kind of hang out for a half hour, 45 yeah. minutes, and then we'll split our ways and, you know, do our thing. So it kind of gives me the time to kind of decompress and just get ready for the work day. And, you know, as far as setting my days up, I don't do this as much as I should, but I kind of have a plan for myself the night before the things I need to finish for the day. And mm. it kind of gives me an outline. I have really bad ADHD and I don't take any medicine or anything. I just kind of have all these systems in place to make it work. And yeah. that seems to work for me. So, but as far as everything with family, you know, me and my wife, we have off, you know, days uh, like Mondays and Fridays, we have off together. So we try to put one of those days away just for family time That's cool. and do that. So, so yeah, it's, um, you know, trying to figure this, this year out is a little difficult because my son Lorenzo, he's in kindergarten and they do partial day kindergarten here. So it starts in the middle of the day. Hmm. So kind of, it's a little difficult this year, but next year should be a lot easier. You mentioned Mondays off, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, but we used to do something when before my kids got into school called Fun Monday. And so, you know, we'd shoot a wedding on the weekend, and then come Monday, the computers get shut down, and it was it was time to, to hang out with the kids and to give them that focused time. And, you know, the cool thing, too, about creating that that expectation with your kids is then they kind of hold you accountable <laughs> right? and they're, right. they're like, uh, Hey, it's fun Monday. Why is your computer open? <laughs> kind of thing. They can do that for you. But again, I, I love that you prioritize that. And this is a good reminder and inspiration ultimately for all of us to make sure that even it's for, even if it's for you know, five, 10, 15 minutes where we get to sit and have that time with the significant people in our life, I, I get it. Like we all have to make a living, we have certain goals, financial goals that we want to achieve that go beyond just paying the bills. And we hopefully, most of us anyway, enjoy what we do as well. But there's, there's really nothing that can replace human connection and not the human connection that we're getting through, you know, typing a DM on Instagram, but like right. an in-person human connection. And we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of that. So I appreciate you kind of setting that standard for us and, and setting the stage for the conversation. Talk to me about one of the most impactful books that you've had the opportunity to read. So I don't really read. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, so I, I guess I can't keep focused long enough to actually get through a book. I love collecting them. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's cool books that come out. I'm like, yeah, I'll read this and get through a couple chapters. And then I'm like, all right, you know, I have some other stuff to do and then I'll totally forget about it. But mm. as far as, I guess, content that's impactful, yes. not reading. Yeah. But yeah, I do listen to, you know, podcasts, you know, people that inspire me. Chase Jarvis is big, Pi, and just kind of like surrounding myself with people that inspire me and kind of push me to to move further and uh, to learn things. And, you know, I, I feel like if I have people around me that are more advanced or know more than I do in specific areas, you know, it's always a good lear uh, learning opportunity for myself. Yeah. So I, I really try to just do that. And, you know, books really aren't my thing. Uh, That's I used fair. to read there, but, but as far as that goes, yeah, I just try to 
follow people that inspire me and keep on the grind. Well, you know, and, and you actually bring up a really interesting point. And I think maybe after our conversation today, I'm going to have to, to rephrase or reword that question because the reality is we're, I mean, we're lucky enough to be in 2019 where we can consume content through a variety of mediums or platforms. Right, right. And, um, I, you know, you also pointed something out earlier, and I don't want to get too deep in this topic because I know it's loaded and, and there are right. various perspectives, but you, you mentioned ADD and how, uh, rather than in your case, taking medicine, you, you've kind of adjusted your life to understanding your tendencies, set yeah. yourself up for the, the best success possible, basically. And, yep. you know, if you understand, hey, I don't have the easiest time paying attention or focusing on a book, then maybe listening to a podcast as I'm driving is going to be a more effective method of consuming content. That's great. There's some self-awareness there and you're, you're making an adjustment and accommodating that rather than spending an excessive amount of time trying to, to change that. I mean, we could go both ways, but in this case, I just love the fact that you kind of flex and go with it. And uh, again, we highlight the point that it doesn't have to be sitting and reading a physical book that actually right. enables us to learn. There are so many incredible sources of content. I mean, I was, I was just listening as I was getting ready just a little bit earlier to some content by Gary Vaynerchuk. We talk about Gary a lot on the podcast. He's awesome. And he is great <laughs> for, for multiple reasons, but it's... You know, you can turn on, on a podcast or, or watch a YouTube video. I, would, I did both this morning and and listen to some content, whether it's inspiration or for me, I, I think at this point, in, in some cases anyway, it's more of a like a reminder. Like I, I know the principles that he's talking about. It's just a good reminder, a kick in the butt to, hey, you need to actually go do the thing, which is a good segue right. to, to the most important point here really ultimately is that if we're actually consuming content at all, that we actually then go do something about it because it's one thing to read and say, you know, you can you hear people that talk about reading 50 books a year or listening to 50 books a year, hundred books a year. And I, I still wonder like, what are you actually doing with that content? Like <laughs> what percentage of that content are you actually applying? Right. Right. And so anyway, go do. And, and I like that. I, I like the approach that you've taken to it. And, and I definitely going to have to adjust that question for future <laughs> interviews. You make a great point. Um, let's go to the next question though. What, from all that you've learned thus far as a business owner, and by the way, how, how long total have you been in business as, as a photographer? So as a full-time, I just finished up my fifth year. So I'm rolling into my sixth year this year. That's great. That's wonderful. So within that time frame, then, what would you say has been the most important lesson that you've learned that you would just be very quick to share with a, a fellow photographer? So I guess the, the biggest thing, and it was advice that was given to me well before I even got into wedding by Ryan Brenheiser, a good friend of mine. He actually was my, one of my inspirations of getting into this was he always said, he always said, you know, make sure you have a good accountant. And hmm. that was one of the biggest, that, he said it and it was like gold to me. I was like, okay, when I start the business, I need a good accountant. And uh, you actually interviewed my accountant, Mike Clipper. Oh, no way. Yeah, last uh, this past July, I believe. Yeah, he's been honestly, he's been such an important and huge part of my business. Yeah, phenomenal guy. But uh, yeah, that would be the biggest thing I would say is just get a good accountant because that's the last thing you want to be dealing with is dealing with anything with the government or IRS and just making sure everything's in line and all your numbers are lining up and making sure that you're profitable and successful is that is, is a big thing. And I guess it's kind of like a two part question. The, the other thing that I learned on my own was always ask questions, make sure you listen, observe, and um, learn to try new things and fail at them and then try again and, and fail. Uh, I feel like it's the only way that I learn. And I feel that's, that's a big thing. In, in our industry, we're lucky where a lot of people do share willingly. And you know, it, it's, it, 
I just feel like it's a really good community where we're able to ask those questions and we have so much content available that uh, people are just willing to share and help others out. So, so I think that's, that's a, a big thing as well. Yeah. And so these are two great points. I'll, I'll go back to your first um, about Michael. We actually had Michael Clipper back on the podcast in episode 153. You're right in July, July yep. 2nd specifically. And we can link to that in the show notes for those of you listening in. By the way, if, if you're new to the podcast, do know that Haley, who helps produce the podcast, is is creating a wonderful resource at Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. The sh- there are show notes that go with each of these episodes that we're putting out, links to websites that we've noted or social media, books, etc. Um, so make sure you go check that out. But we'll link to episode 153 in the show notes with Michael Clipper. Uh, I've said on the podcast multiple times before, that was my biggest weakness, uh, managing finances effectively as a photographer. And honestly, and, and sadly, it took me quite a while to learn that lesson. Uh, but there is, I, I don't, there's nothing in some ways, almost nothing more empowering than proactively handling your finances in such a way that you can then look at that data and make intelligent, proactive decisions for your business because you have it right there in front of you. Yes, you want to make sure you get your taxes done on time, and, and that's important. Uh, and for that matter, having your numbers in order for the IRS, I've been audited a couple of times, and my life was made so much easier in those instances because I, I'm a very detailed record keeper. Uh, but regardless, it goes beyond just taxes. It's about being an intelligent business owner and being able to pull those numbers up, look at a profit and loss statement, see where money is going, how you could make more money. Uh, it's really, really important. And an accountant can make a big, big difference in that that effort and that process. So that's really important. And then you're right. I mean, we have we were talking about content earlier, but of course, the wonderful thing about social media or one of the wonderful things about social media these days is that we have so much access to so many people who do have more experience than we do. And whether it's encouragement or a piece of advice, we can go there and we can ask for it. And I, th- I think that's a, a good reminder as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to the next uh, question, though. And uh, this is another kind of quick answer, if, if you will. But what is your photography business's brand position or just as, as a definition for those not familiar with the concept? What is the unique selling point of your photography business versus those in your market? It's very tough to kind of put words into, you know, how I differentiate myself because there's so many different aspects that I just try to be different. You know, the overall experience, you know, from, from the moment we meet until when we finalize the album. But as far as like, kind of like a couple words, I would say documenting genuine moments creatively uh, is something that really just sums a lot of it up. You know, just focusing on moments throughout the day and uh, trying to get unique perspectives of them mm. and just creating an overall enjoyable experience for my clients, you know, from, from the very beginning until the end, I, I, you know, there's, there's a whole system, uh, you know, once they book me, you know, the bride and the groom, you know, they, they get, you know, all these different tips and, you know, different posts and informational resources, like every month wow. they'll get an email from me saying, Hey, you know, here's some great things to think about when planning for the engagement session when we, when the wedding's done, you know, here's some ways that you can start thinking about the album and five ways to save time on your wedding day uh, that you may not have thought about. You know, there's, there's so many different articles that I've written up uh, just to keep the communication open with my, my couples yeah. to let them know that I'm there. You know, if they want to have that open conversation with me, Hey, you sent this to me. I don't quite understand how this works. You know, can you explain it? Or, you know, I just want to be there for them through the entire process. So yeah, it's, it's, overall experience but you know specifically on the wedding day and what i'm all about is just focusing on those moments 
you know, the ones that they're involved in or the ones that may not, they may not see on the wedding day. So, well, and I like the focus on adding value to your clients before too. There is so much significance to that idea when we're creating a positive experience. And I've said this multiple times over at this point, but there is a tendency or has been a tendency anyway, in our industry in years past for photographers to put so much importance on themselves as this artist coming to the wedding. We'll use wedding in this context since you're a wedding photographer and, and kind of lose sight of the reality, which is that they're due number one, that they're there to do a job number one. But then um, I I think maybe even more importantly, because doing a job kind of sounds, I don't know, it sounds robotic and, and almost negative in a sense, but you're there to, to serve that client, to take care of that client. And um, so I think we should think more about how we can effectively do that throughout the process, not just there when we're photographing, but as you're describing, creating these these pieces of content that are helpful for the client. I think it's really great. You mentioned creative approach to documenting their day. And I, I'm actually on your Instagram account right now. And for those of you listening in, you can check it out. It's Joe, just like it sounds, Dantone, D-A-N-T-O-N-E underscore photography. And we'll link to it in the show notes as well. But the, the wide variety of photography on your account, honestly, is really impressive. Like, you know, for, for all this conversation about creating curated Instagram feeds and everything is, you know, color coordinated and perfectly aligned and everything. I love the, the extremely wide variety of content uh, or ultimately photography that you're creating. It is very creative. Uh, so major props to you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's one thing I've always kind of, you know, with, with the Instagram feed, I, I just... I just post and just post and post. I, I don't necessarily try to color coordinate things or anything like that. I just want to get the content out there and, you know, share it with other people. And, you know, while I don't, you know, put a huge focus on portraits, you know, that is a big part of the wedding day too. So I, I like to post those types of things. Yeah. It's not all about moments and, and things like that. So, you know, when I get couples that come to me, they used to ask me, they were like, Hey, do you do family pictures when you do weddings? And I'm like, of course I do. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, I don't show any of that stuff. Uh, I need to show that, yep. you know, bridal party pictures. I never showed bridal party pictures. And mm. now I'm doing that as well. So people understand, you know, that that is something that I do too. So, so yeah. That's, that's great. I, I really, truly am impressed, not only by the variety, but the, the quality of, I mean, you're, the way that you're using lighting in some of these images is, is really wonderful as well. So for those of you listening in, make sure you go check out Joe Dantone underscore photography on Instagram. And again, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Shifting gears here a little bit, what's one of yeah. the most unusual pieces of gear in your camera bag? <laughs> oh, man. So I've been trying to travel lighter and lighter and lighter, and it just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep adding stuff. Yeah. But I'd say uh, about three years ago, uh, I wanted to come up with something or find a piece of gear where I could fit it in my pocket, where I can clamp a flash to something. And the the larger clamps, like the Justin clamps, they're way too big and bulky. I can't fit it in my pocket. So I went to a, um, a store that's local to me, Alan's Camera, and I sat there with the owner and I'm like, we got, like, I have to figure something out. And we came up with this thing I call the Frankenstein. And what it is, it's a, a Manfrotto nano clamp. Yes. So really mini micro nano clamp. Okay. And I put a quarter thread to quarter thread stud in the top of it. And then I screwed a Photix ball head cold shoe on top of that. So then when you loosen everything, you know, obviously me being a a mechanic or a technician, like I just kind of, we kind of fumbled this thing together. And so when you loosen it all up and collapse it, you could actually fit like three of them in your pocket. 
and you don't have to have anything else with you to clamp onto anything. You can clamp onto, you know, the edges of tables, chairs, any lamp posts, anything like that. You know, anything that's in the venue that you won't damage, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, uh, you can mount a flash on this and it's sturdy enough where it'll hold up. I'll use force to pull on it and it won't, it won't give. So I'd say that's pretty much the most unusual piece of gear I have because it's three different brands kind of molded into this one thing I call the Frankenstein and that's about it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Manfrotto's uh, clamps. More specifically, they have one called a spring. I'm actually on their website looking right now. They, they call it a spring clamp with flash shoe. And that's one that I used for probably years as a wedding photographer as well, because it did give me a lot of flexibility. It was something I could clamp. I could actually clamp onto the handle of my bag, but then I could unclamp it and slide a, a flash on there. And it has rubber feet on it as well. So I could just rest it on the top of something like the, the DJ's speaker, yep. or I could go clamp it onto something as you're describing. And now I've got this off camera flash and oh my word, it was one of the, the best tools that, uh, that, that we were able to use. But you're talking about, you said it's called a nano clamp. Yeah, it's a nano clamp. So it's the really small clamp. It's got like two, it's like a jaw. Okay. And when you open it up, you can actually clamp onto whatever you need to clamp onto. It opens pretty wide. And um, if you want to stand it on something, if there's nothing to clamp onto, you can actually adjust the ball head where this clamp becomes the base. And you could sit a flash right there, like you said, on a you know DJ speakers or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And it'll be solid enough where that flash can stand there and it's totally fine. So yeah, I use this all the time, especially for my second shooters when they want to clamp onto my light stand okay. and use my exact lighting setup for the reception so the images look consistent. I'll just throw one of these clamps onto my light stand right by my flash and we'll uh, throw their flash right on top of it. Now, I, forgive me, did you mention that you had to buy a separate like cold shoe to stick on that clamp or does it come yeah. with? Yeah, so Photix. Photix makes a cold shoe. I can get the part numbers and stuff for you. That'd be um, cool, yeah. And and, and maybe yeah. you get that to Haley. We'll put that in the show notes for those of you listening in because I think this is great. I am seeing, <laughs> um, I think the one that you're referring to, uh, and it is called the Nano Clamp on the Manfrotto site too. We'll link to that and uh, any potential accessories in, in the show notes, but I, I really appreciate you sharing that. That's great. There is something about being able to, I mean, at the end of the day, gear is fun. And, and so I, I get it. Like it's hard to, to cut it down, but uh, there's something about using a, a small piece of gear that can make such a big difference. And uh, yeah. this is a, this is a great example. We'll link to that. We'll link to the, uh, the spring clamp that I mentioned as well uh, in the show notes. And you can check those out at bocapodcast.com. Let's, let's talk a little bit about marketing and more specifically marketing as it relates to uh, wedding photographers and venues. This is something that we haven't really dug into in a lot of detail. And it was something that you'd suggested we could chat about for the podcast today. Did you, I mean, did you figure this out, the significance of these relationships right away? Or was it something that you kind of learned as you went? Give us a little bit of a backstory. So when I first got into weddings, you know, I, I, I always like to say I kind of got here by accident because a friend of mine asked me to shoot a wedding. I was a gearhead and I was like, dude, I've, my hands are full of grease. I don't shoot weddings kind of thing. Yeah, I did. I did the wedding with him and fell in love with it. So from there on, I always had a really big interest in marketing and, and trying to do things a lot differently than others. And 
whether it was good marketing or bad marketing, like I'll share right now, um, I used to sit in Barnes and Noble and kind of edit the pictures that you know I took for the weekend prior. And I was sitting there and I'm like, you know, how can I target brides? I don't have the money right now to spend on you know the advertising places and all that kind of stuff. How can I directly advertise to these people? Like I, I just don't know how to do it. And I'm trying to think of these ways. Mm. I always had business cards with me. I'm looking right ahead of me, and I mean this is pretty bad, but I saw the bridal section in Barnes and Noble. And <laughs> I was like let me just go over there. Maybe I'll find some inspiration over there. Let me just cut through some of these books and just look through and see if I can figure anything out. Yeah. And then I saw these bridal binders with business card holders in them. So I was like, oh my God, am I going to do that? <laughs> so I literally put business cards inside those bridal binders. That's <laughs> hilarious. And I'm like, they're going right to the hands of these brides. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I, let's see if it works. And I booked a wedding from it. Did you really? Uh, That's awesome. Uh, so I, I put in like 10 binders and I actually booked a wedding from it. But so that was kind of like the start of me trying to figure out different ways to do things. I, I kind of figured out, you know, with a lot of trial and error, you know, the first place that a lot of these couples go to is the venue. And I feel like if they're at their venue and a salesperson there says, hey, you know, we work with this person or we really enjoy having this person here, go check them out. You already have 50% of that couple's trust built into you because they trust their venue. They've booked with them mm. and there's that much more trust that they have in you. I, I mean, it's, you know, they come to you, they say, Hey, you're recommended by so-and-so. Yeah. So I figured that would be a good way to kind of get my foot in the door and start booking at these different venues. So what I did was, is um, at that point in time, I had shot quite a few weddings, uh, local area. And I put together these little tins that I got at like the local craft store. And I put this fake grass in there. And <laughs> I had little thumb drives that I specifically from that venue, a wedding that I shot there, I put all the images that I wanted to be shown on this thumb drive. Okay. And in there, I wrote a little thank you note to the venue saying, I really appreciated, you know, how you guys treated me here. You know, I really enjoyed working with you guys, this, that, and the other, and please enjoy this coffee on me. And I had a Starbucks card in there, That's like cool. a $5 Starbucks card. So I physically walked it into each one of these venues because I wanted to look at the space where they do the sales. There, there was a whole process that I had thought of. And, you know, I wanted to see if there was any real estate on the walls in there, if they put any canvases up, if, mm. you know, where they put their albums, things like that. So walking in there and having that personal connection with the marketing coordinator or the salespeople that are there, that was half the battle. The other half was really going in the space and seeing what it's like for a couple to go in and sit in there and what they're presented with. So, you know, later on I figured out, Hey, you know, I'm going into these venues showing my name showing my face and, you know, letting them know that I'm there. You know, I see that they have blank walls and, they have a really crowded area with a ton of small albums. And if I bring a huge album in there, it's going to go right on the coffee table where the, the couples sit when they're waiting to go into the sales room. So that was really the start of everything. So once I figured out that these venues really enjoyed getting these pictures and enjoyed working with a photographer that was willing to work with them, I found it was I was getting a lot of good feedback from them as well as a lot of referrals from them. I remember the first venue that I actually did work with, one of the women that works there as a salesperson, she left and went to a, another venue, which was a little bit more high end. And she still referred me over what they had on the referral list. So building those connections with people and, and just 
you know, having those relationships with a lot of people in these venues helps out immensely. It's just, it's, it's a great thing to, uh, to try and do is just build these relationships with them. Well, and you know, I talk a lot about the significance of the relationship with a wedding coordinator, but it's the reality is that wedding clients or potential wedding clients many times are going to the location first, correct? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to consider that maybe even more valuable in some cases than relationships with wedding coordinators would be the venue, the first place that they go, you know, while that they're most excited maybe, and, and this idea of getting married is, is fresh on their mind. And then they get the opportunity to either hear about you or see your work, or maybe a combination of, of both might be really compelling. I was going to ask you too, why put the, the images on a physical drive versus just sending a gallery, but you, you answered that. And of course, remind me and, and all of us of the significance of that in-person connection again, right. going and taking a physical gift. And it's funny how something as simple, I mean, if somebody gave me a $5 Starbucks card, how meaningful that would feel. I, I think it's kind of hilarious to think about, but like you didn't have to spend a ton of money there. It was just a matter right. of a thumb drive and a Starbucks card and somebody, oh, somebody thought of me and I get to go have a, a drink on them now. Like th- something as simple as that can make a really significant impact. And then of course there's that in-person connection. So I, I love the combination of all of those things. What, I, and you know, one of the, of course, important things that we have to keep in mind as business owners, especially when it comes to marketing is that, we really can't throw all our eggs in, in one basket, right? So right. there are different ways to go about marketing. We've talked about the significance of the the wedding coordinator, uh, in this case, the venue, social media marketing, you know, referrals from other clients, and the list may go on. But I'm curious, if you don't mind sharing roughly what percentage of your business comes from relationships with venues versus those other sources? Oh, so I do, you know, at this point in time, you know, like I said, coming into my sixth year, I'm building a good word of mouth with a lot of other couples that I've worked with. Yeah. But, you know, when when people do come in contact with me, you know, contact me through my website, they're asked, you know, where where the referral came from. And um, I just I'm looking right now and and just a rough estimate, you know, just within the past 12 months, I've had uh, a little over 80 leads just from venues. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You you were saying that also hesitantly, and and I was not expecting that big a number. That's incredible. How many yeah. weddings do you shoot in a year usually? So I actually limit that down a lot now because okay. you know now I have the family and everything like that. I, I just I'm a one man band over here, yeah. so yeah. I did get upwards of about 38 weddings in a year. That was the most, and that was to the point of overwhelming for me. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, but now I'm pretty much hovering around the. 24 to 28 range. Nice. Just being very specific about, you know, what I know about the couple's expectations of what they want for their wedding day and, you know, how I approach the weddings and just making sure we're a good fit and everything kind of jives together. So uh, I'm able to kind of get that down and, and uh, right in that, that zone for me. That's that's really great. And by the way, I know I, I shot as many as you know, 40 weddings in a year and, and it that is a really large number. And you start yeah. realizing the majority of, of the weekends in a year you're you're shooting and it's not your typical eight hour office work day. You're out moving around and working really hard. That's and, and then of course everything else that goes into working with just that one client before and after the wedding, it is it is a lot to manage. So right. kudos to you for really narrowing it down and focusing in. But my goodness, eighty leads from venues. Yeah, that's past, that's huge. Yeah, Twelve months, yeah. That's amazing. Well, so let's make it really practical for our listeners, really tangible. What are some key ways that wedding photographers listening in can more effectively develop relationships 
with venues for the sake of these leads and the potential of growing their business? So I, I first have to say, um, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, a lot of times when I, when I first got into this, that a lot of photographers and vendors and everything like that always had problems with major D's and the venues because they're like, Oh, they want us to do this. Oh, they want us to do that. And you know, we can't be here. We can't be there. Mm. I just kind of embraced it at that, you know, at a certain point and said, you know, not only does the venue have to deal with managing all of their couple's expectations, they also have to coordinate the catering. They also have to coordinate all the vendors and make sure everything's going good with them. They have a lot on their plate. And if I'm a vendor that they enjoy working with and I'm smooth and able to help them out through the day, yeah. the day is going to be a lot easier for me yep. because they, you know, they understand me, they know me and, and now we have that connection together. So I guess I have to jump in here, Joe, yeah, and, yeah. and just like commend you for that attitude, because again, there there is a significant difference that I think that that attitude can make and not only the quality of your personal life and your stress levels. Uh, but then ultimately how other businesses, in this case, venues might see you because I, I know I've been frustrated at, and, and scenario, right. at certain scenarios w- at particular venues in the past because of what seems like ridiculous rules. But rather than fighting it, if you're just like, you know what, this is the situation, how can I best work with it? That's a way more positive, certainly, and proactive attitude to have. So I think that's great. Right. And I noticed that a lot of times when you just kind of shut your mouth and you just go and do whatever they need you to do. Yeah. If you come back there and they remember you, they almost give you more leeway than they would with any other vendor. Yep. So, I mean, just being able to work with them is a big thing. And it kind of opens their eyes to, hey, who was that guy that we worked with? You know. But I would say the first thing, the, the biggest thing that I do with venues and trying to get my name out there and get them to remember me is I have a system set up where right after the wedding is done, uh, I always usually try and get a business card of one of the coordinators and uh, I send them an email the day after saying, Hey, it was great working with you guys. I'm working on the couple's images. You know, once everything is finished, I'll send you the gallery. You guys can favorite whatever images you want and I'll send them right over to you guys. Again, I appreciate you guys treating me like a guest. Uh, your staff was great to work with. Boom. And I send that out to them and they're like, who's this guy? Um, especially if I've never worked with them before. So once the gallery is done, I send it out to them and, you know, back with, I don't know if this really ties in the brand positioning, but you know, there are certain places that you really enjoy working and they kind of fit your brand a little bit better. Um, And there are places that are a little bit more high end, which may be that kind of clientele that you're trying to attract or, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, this is kind of a cool thing where you can kind of control the places that you really enjoy working and where you want to do more business from. So if you do like that venue, you can really start to build relationships with people there So now you start getting that clientele that wants that specific look from that venue, whether it be a mansion or a ballroom or, you know, a barn, you know, you can start working with those people that work there and start getting that clientele that, that has interest in that. So I think a big thing, you know, one is, you know, just making them known that you're there. And I guess the second way is, is showing up in person, getting to have that FaceTime with whether it be the marketing director or the salespeople that work there, sometimes getting through past the receptionist is a little difficult. But if you call ahead of time and you're and you're like, hey, you know, I'm a local photographer. I've worked at the venue a few times. I just want to link up with the marketing director or whoever controls your social media and just have a little conversation, yeah. chat about it. And mo- more times than not, they'll set something up. And whether it be five, ten minutes or whatever it may be, you can still lay eyes on where 
everything is in that room. If there's canvases on the wall, albums, you know, this, that, and the other. So uh, kind of gives you a good lay of the land. So I guess, the, like I said, you know, let them know you enjoy working there. But once you're to the point where you're in this venue and, you know, these people enjoy working with you, I just like to let them know that it's appreciated, you know, them sending me the work, hmm. you know, so I'll, I'll go there and I'll get, I'll, bring like a look, you know, the marketing coordinator or a salesperson, whoever I deal directly with, I've gone to the venues and given them like a bottle of champagne, you know, at the end nice. of the year saying, thanks a lot. You know, I'd like you too. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is appreciated. Like, I really appreciate you guys, you know, always thinking of me first and, you know, being able to do that. You know, I bought one venue, their entire staff, I bought them all lunch one day. I just had it sent to their office out of nowhere. That's um, cool. They weren't expecting it. So, but from there, I, I actually own a commercial brand as well, a whole separate commercial business. And these venues will actually contact me to get me to do their catering food shoots and their headshots and all that kind of stuff, you know. So it works for me for both brands. And actually, just recently, one of the one of the venues that I work with, they messaged me and they're like, Hey, we're doing a reoccurring Uh, Instagram ad on Instagram, you know, we're going to probably run it for the entire year. Is it okay if we use one of your images? And I was just like, yeah, I mean, if if that, if it's okay, if you can put my watermark on the bottom portion of the image and they're like, Oh, definitely. So now (laughs) I have an Instagram ad that they've pumped a ton of money into that's floating around for their venue that has my name on the picture. Nice. So, I mean, that's advertising money that I'm not even spending just because I have these relationships with all these different venues. That's really cool. Yeah, it works a lot more ways than just getting the referral directly from them. You know, they 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 spread me out as well, you know, with with their advertising too. So And you mentioned your commercial work and I just have to throw this in really quickly. Yeah. You do have separate Instagram accounts, which I, I think is great. I, I think there's something to, to be said for creating distinction between brands. And yeah. um and so Instagram Dantone Creative D-A-N-T-O-N-E underscore creative. And then you also have a family Instagram or family's Instagram account for your portrait work, which is JDP families. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes as well, but I had to just throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, um, and it's funny, uh, Mike Clipper, my, my accountant, like I said, he helps me out in many more ways than one. And, uh, he's like, you know, you need to pretty much take your wedding business and show your clients that you're with them there from, the beginning of the relationship, you know, as a married couple or, or as an engaged couple and have them follow you through them building their family. And it was, it was business that I re- never really thought about it. You know, family work is very reoccurring where weddings, they happen once. Right. And uh, that's actually helped my business a lot, but I believe with the commercial aspect and my wedding business, I really had to separate it because when you deal with the bigger commercial clients and you send them to a, a website, that's a very wedding forward. They're like, no, no go. Like we're not, (laughs) we need something that's commercial. Yeah. So that's why I separated the two. But yeah, just knowing these venues and trying to leverage that to build my commercial brand as well has worked for me too. And, you know, I'll I'll go in there and be like, hey, you know, you guys need headshots or I do food photography. You know, I'd love to shoot, you know, the the catering, you know, menu, whatever it may be. And, you know, I've been hired to do that multiple times. So that's great. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, I understand the significance too, specializing in one particular thing, but you're right that there's an opportunity there as a photographer to be able to leverage your skills. I think wedding photographers, like a good wedding photographer is one of the most talented photographers out there because the reality is they're not just simply a, you know, wedding photojournalist, for example, they're also 
a, a landscape photographer, an architectural photographer, right. they're a portrait photographer. And so there are ways to utilize those skills and, and kind of other environments or with other clients. Uh, and, and I like that you're taking advantage of that. That's really great. So yeah, I'm, definitely. back to our conversation though, I'm, we were, you're talking about number one, the significance of following up with the venue, uh, which again, it seems so simple, but the reality is that probably many photographers don't proactively reach out and communicate. They, they go right. there, they do a job, they leave. And if they don't go shoot at that venue again, there's likely not going to be any more conversation after the fact. So just somebody making that effort to reach out proactively after the fact is a great thing. Um, the significance of FaceTime showing up, engaging them. Uh, and then in addition to that, potentially giving them a, a thank you gift and, and man, a surprise thank you gift is even better. So I think that's great. Anything else that you want to lend to this conversation about developing relationships with the venues? Right. So a big thing with the thank you gift is, you know, doing that after you've gotten the work and, you know, after all of that, you know, you, you've built the relationships, you know, always showing that you're appreciative of anybody is just, it makes people feel good. And so I've, I've learned that in the business working with people, why not translate that to other people that you work directly with in your industry um, that'll help you grow your business. So, but I, I would say a big thing also is that going into these places and seeing their sales space is very big. There's a venue out by me. Uh, there's a couple of venues out by me or, or event groups that have multiple venues. And I wrote down, you know, a, a, a pretty much a guideline, like something I needed to get into these venues and how I needed to get into them. And one of the venues I walked in there and, and, you know, I saw that there was no space on the, they, they had a bunch of space on their walls. So I had told the, I guess it was the, the social media person that, that got in contact with me about one of the weddings that I shot there. She was like, Oh, we absolutely love this wedding. We're over the top about it. Let us know when you send the pictures. I'm like, great. Um, I sent them the gallery and the pictures that they favorited for me to send back to them I took those images plus a lot of images that will help tell the story of the wedding day. Yeah. And I put it into an album without even telling them. Wow. But then I remembered in their sales room that they had some open space on the walls. So it wasn't a, a huge canvas, but I got a 20 by 30 inch canvas. Nice. Watermark on the bottom corner of one of like the hero shots of the day. I set up a time to meet up with the salesperson and, you know, we met in one of their venues and I brought in the album. And I also was like trying to like finagle this canvas through the door while I'm holding the album and everything. And she's like, Oh my God, what is this? And I flipped it around and she was just like, Oh my God. She was just like, this is amazing. And I, and I was like, yeah, I figured, you know, you guys didn't have anything on the walls and you know, this kind of goes with the coloring of the room and everything like that. And she's like, wow, you really thought about all that. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, when I was in here, you know, I saw you guys just didn't have anything up. So I figured this would be nice for the room and kind of add some character to it for you guys. So uh, you can take this, you can put it up. If you don't want to put it up, that's fine with me. I just figured I'd, I'd uh, you know, gift it over to you guys. That's so you awesome. Guys. So things like that go a long way. And plus it's putting my brand on their venue. And I, I feel like that's a big thing. And, you know, even with, you know, a lot of these venues, they, they have other events other than weddings. Like they do bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. They, they do corporate events, you know, a lot of those, you know, so I'm being recommended to do a lot of different things at these wedding venues, not just weddings. So I think going into the space and evaluating um, what you can bring to the table for them and, and what you can put on the walls and, you know, kind of make it your space too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially if there's an opportunity to, because right. the reality is that in some cases, and I'm actually curious to get your take on this. I mean, there's, something very, very significant to be said for physical product, whether it's prints or albums or a combination of the above. But 
Um, I bet that some venues are getting, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're not. Are, are they getting overrun with physical product from other photographers where there's not space for yours? Like, how do you, how do you <laughs> kind of finagle your way into that? So funny you mentioned that. There is a wedding group or a venue group out here uh, in Philadelphia that very big, very well known. And I've always tried to get in the door with them. And, you know, it's just not, it's just not me wanting to get in the door just for the sake of getting in the door because they own so many venues. When you go there as a vendor, you're treated like a guest. They, they have top-notch everything. Their venues are beautiful. Um, they're right in the city. They're great places to work. So I really wanted to start working there more frequently. And it was just very difficult because I, I, I just don't know why, but it was just so difficult to get in with them. And mm. finally I did. And it kind of broke open a lot of doors for me. And when I went in there to you know show my face and talk to the marketing director in person, I noticed, I was like, hey, you know, where do people put their albums in here? Like, where do you have the photographer's albums? And she pointed over to this bureau and it was filled with albums. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> How am I going to get my album in there? And I was like, well, is this where the couple sits to wait to get into the sales room? And she goes, oh yeah, you know, sometimes there'll be two couples out here. And I noticed there was a coffee table. That day, I went back home and I made a 16 by 12 rectangle album. And I brought it to them about a month later. And I was just like, yeah, knowing that they weren't going to fit this on that bureau. Ah. And I, I went in there and I was like, hey, I made this album for you guys, but it doesn't look like there's much space left on the bureau. <laughs> if I leave this right on the coffee table here? And she goes, oh, yeah, that would be perfect. They can just flip it open right there. And next thing you know, my album is the forefront album right when these couples go to sit down. Wow. And they're probably not going to want to go for the albums that are on that bureau that are going to cause a domino effect when they pick them up. So yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, just thinking different ways and, and trying to put my brand forward. Yeah. Uh, that was the really, phrase that came to mind, actually think different. I mean, it's, it, if you just take, make a little bit of an effort to take a step back outside the box and look at things from a different angle, sometimes there's wonderful opportunity to do something different. That's going to make your brand stand out. Right. And, I, and trying I, to break the normal is, is a big thing. It's huge. It's huge. And it really is so easy. I was reminded of this um, was it yesterday or day before I was, I was driving. And there's a tendency that human beings have to just kind of follow what other people are doing. And this is not any more true than at traffic lights where there are two turn lanes and you see a line of cars down the one turn lane and the secondary turn lane, there's maybe, you know, one or two or three cars there yep. because everybody sees the cars in front of them and they just tend to follow rather than just taking a, making a split second effort mentally to, to consider the possibility that there might be a different way to go about this that would be a bit more efficient and look at that <laughs> wide open turn lane. Right, but I think it's right. a great metaphor for business that there are, I mean, granted, you could, you could pretty much say that everything has been done under the sun in, in right. photography, but the the exception to that is that most people follow each other. They tend to do the same thing. So there is opportunity to do something, which as a concept on its own, isn't necessarily earth shattering, but it's different than what most people are doing. And that can make a drastic impact in your business and the way that you're able to build your business. So that's a great reminder. And, um, and this has been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate you making time, Joe, for the Boca podcast today and sharing oh, your perspective. And, I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Your energy is great. Your photography is, is beautiful. I love your passion you. for family and all of these things are, are good inspiration for all of us. Can you just share one more time where everyone can find you yeah. online, your website and social media as well? 
So my website is joedantone.com uh, and J-O-E-D-A-N-T-O-N-E. Instagram, my handle is uh, joedantone underscore photography. And as well as Facebook, it's uh, the same bit, facebook.com backslash uh, or slash joedantone photography. And then I guess my, my commercial stuff is Dantone Creative on Instagram as well. And uh, that's the same for the website is dantonecreative.com. Perfect. Well, we will link to these in the show notes. And uh, once again, Joe, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and uh, setting an example for all of us making time for the Boca podcast. Definitely. Thank you so much. It was great being here. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.